Part one of the Song of Hugh Glass by John Nyhard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com. The Song of Hugh Glass by John Nyhard. Part one Greybeard and Goldhair. The year was 1823. Twas when the guns that blustered at the re had ceased to brag, and ten score martial clowns turned from the unwhipped Arikara towns, earning the scornful laughter of the Sioux. A withering blast the arid south still blew, and creeks ran thin beneath the glaring sky. For twas a month when honking geese would fly southward before the great white hunter's face, and many generations of their race as bow-flung arrows now have fallen spent. It happened then that Major Henry went with eighty trappers up the dwindling grand, bound through the weird, unfriending, barren land, for where the bighorn meets the Yellowstone, an old Hugh Glass went with them, large of bone, deep-chested, that his great heart might have play, grey-bearded, grey of eye, and crowned with grey was glass. It seemed he never had been young, and for the grudging hubbit of his tongue none knew the place or season of his birth slowly he woke to anger or to mirth yet none laughed louder when the rare mood fell and hate in him was like a still white hell a thing of doom not lightly reconciled what memory he kept of wife or child was never told for when his comrades sat about the evening fire with pipe and chat exchanging talk of home and gentler days old hugh stared long upon the pictured blaze and what he saw went upward in the smoke but once, as with an inner lightning stroke, the veil was rent, and briefly men discerned what pent-up fires of selfless passion burned beneath the still grey smouldering of him. There was a rake-hell lad, called Little Jim, Jamie, or Petit Jacks, for scarce began the downy beard to mark him for a man. Blue-eyed was he, and femininely fair, a maiden might have coveted his hair that trapped the sunlight in its tangled skein so tardily outflowered the wild blond strain that gutted rome grown over fat in sloth again Ganymedes haunted by a goth was jamie when the restive ghost was laid he seemed some fancy-ridden child who played at manliness mid all those bearded men the sternest heart was drawn to jamie then but his one mood never linked two hours together to schedule jamie's way as prairie weather was to get fact by wedding doubt and whim for very lightly slept that ghost in him no cloudy brooding went before his wrath that like a thunder squall wreaked not its path but raged upon what happened in its way some called him brave who saw him on that day when ashley stormed a bluff town of the ree and all save beardless jamie turned to flee for shelter from that steep lead harrowed slope yet hardly courage but blind rage a grope inspired the foolish deed twas then old hugh tore off the grey mask and the heart shone through for halting in the dry flood gutted draw the trappers rallied looked aloft and saw that travesty of war against the sky out of a breathless hush the old man's cry leaped shivering an anguished cry and wild as of some mother fearing for her child and up the steep he went with mighty bounds long afterward the story went the rounds how old glass fought that day with gun for club 
grim as a grizzly fighting for a cub he laid about him cleared the way and so supported by the firing from below brought jamie back and when the deed was done taking the lad upon his knee my son brave men are not ashamed to fear said hugh and i've a mind to make a man of you so here's your first acquaintance with the law whereat he spanked the lad with vigorous paw and having done so limped away to bed for wounded in the hip the old man bled it was a month before he hobbled out and jamie like a fond son hung about the old man's tent and waited upon him and often would the deep grey eyes grow dim with gazing on the boy and there would go as though spring fire should waken out of snow a wistful light across that mask of grey and once hugh smiled his enigmatic way while poring long on jamie's face and said so with their sons are women brought to bed sore wounded thus united were the two and some would dub the old man mother hugh while those in hume all living waters sank to some dull inner pool that teemed and stank with formless evil into that morass gazed and saw darkly there as in a glass the foul shape of some weakly envied sin for each man builds a world and dwells therein nor could these know what mocking ghost of spring stirred hugh's grey world with dreams of blossoming that wooed no seed to swell or bird to sing so might a dawn-struck digit of the moon dream back the rain of some old lunar june and ache through all its craters to be green little they know what lights one love can mean who shrine it in a bower of peace and bliss pang dwelling in a puckered cicatrice more truly figures this belated love yet very grievous was the hurt thereof grievous to bear too dear to cast away now jamie went with hugh but who shall say if twas a warm heart or a wind of whim love or the rover's teasing itch in him moved jamie howsoever twas good to see grey beard and gold hair riding knee to knee one age in young adventure one who saw was likened to a february thaw hugh's mellow mood those days and truly so for when the tempering south-west wakes to blow a phantom april over melting snow deep in the north some new white wrath is brewed out of a dim trailed inner solitude the old man summoned many a stirring story lived grimly once but now shot through with glory caught from the wandering eyes of him who heard tales jagged with the bleak unstudied word stark saga stuff a fellow that i knew so nameless went the hero that was hugh a mere pelt merchant as it seemed to him yet trailing epic thunders through the dim wist world of jamie's awe and so they went one heart it seemed and that heart well content with tale and snatch of song and careless laughter never before and surely never after the grey old man seemed nearer to his youth that myth that somehow had to be the truth yet could not be convincing any more now when the days of travel numbered four and nearer drew the barons with their need on glass the hunter fell the task to feed those four score hungers when the game should fail for no young eye could trace so dim a trail or line the rifle sights with speed so true nor might the wistful jamie go with hugh for so hugh chafed my trick of getting game might teach young eyes to put old eyes to shame an old dog never risks his only bone wolves prey in packs the lion hunts alone is somewhat nearer what he should have meant and so with 
merry jest the old man went and so they parted at an unseen gate that even then some gust of moody fate clanged too betwixt them each a tale to spell one in the nightmare scrawl of dreams from hell one in the blistering trail of days a crawl venomous footed nor might it e'er befall these two should meet in after days and be grey beard and gold hair riding knee to knee recounting with a bluff heroic scorn the haps of either tale twas early morn when hugh went forth and all day jamie rode with henry's men while more and more the goad of eager youth sore fretted him and made the dusty progress of the cavalcade the journey of a snail flocked the moon until the shadow weaving afternoon turned many fingers nightward then he fled pricking his horse nor deigned to turn his head at any dwindling voice of reprimand for somewhere in the brakes along the ground surely hugh waited with a goodly kill hoofbeats of ghostly steeds on every hill mysterious muffled hoofs on every bluff spurred echo horses clattering up the rough confluent drawers these flying jamie heard the lagging air droned like a drowsy word of one who tells weird stories late at night half headlong joy and half delicious fright his daydream's pace outstripped the plunging steeds lean galloper in the wind of splendid deeds like hughes he seemed unto himself until snorting haunch above a breakneck hill the horse stopped short and jamie was aware of lonesome flatlands fading skyward there beneath him and zigzag on either hand a purple haze denoted how the grand forked wide twixt sunset and the polar star a tiptoe in the stirrups gazing far he saw no hue nor any moving thing save for a welter of cawing crows a wing about some banquet in the further hush one faint star set above the fading blush of sunset saw the coming night and grew with hand for trumpet jamie gave halloo and once again france of the horse neighed some vague mistrust now made him half afraid some formless dread that stirred beneath the will as far as sleep from waking down the hill close-footed in the skitter of the shale the spurred horse floundered to the solid vale and galloped to the northwest whinnying the outstripped ear moaned like a wounded thing but jamie gave the lie unto his dread the old man's camping out to-night he said somewhere about the forks as like as not and there'll be hunks of fresh meat steaming hot and fighting stories by a dying fire the sunset reared a luminous phantom spire that crumbling sifted ashes down the sky now pausing jamie sent a searching cry into the twilight river skirting brush and in the vast denial of the hush the champing of the snaffled horse seemed loud then startling as a voice beneath a shroud a muffled boom woke somewhere up the stream and like vague thunder hearkened in a dream drawled back to silence now with heart abound keen for the quarter of the perished sound the lad spurred gaily for he doubted not his cry had brought hugh's answering rifle shot the laggard air was like a voice that sang and jamie half believed he sniffed the tang of wood smoke and the smell of flesh a roast when presently before him like a ghost upstanding huge in twilight arms flung wide a grey form loomed the wise horse reared and shied snorting his inborn terror of the bear and in the whirlwind of a moment there betwixt the brute's horse challenge and the charge the lad beheld upon the grassy marge of a small spring that bullberries stooped to scan 
a ragged heap that should have been a man a huddled broken thing and it was hugh there was no need for any closer view as on the instant of a lightning flash ere yet the split gloom closes with a crash a landscape stares with every circumstance of rock and shrub just so the fatal chance of hugh's one shot made futile with surprise was clear to jamie then before his eyes the light whirled in a giddy dance of red and doubting not the crumpled thing was dead that was a friend with but a skinning knife he would have striven for the hated life that triumphed there but with a shriek of fright the mad horse bolted through the falling night and jamie fumbling at his rifle boot heard the brush crash behind him where the brute came headlong close upon the straining flanks but while at length low-lying river banks white rubble in the gloaming glimmered near a swift thought swept the mind of jamie clear of anger and of anguish for the dead scarce seemed the raging beast a thing to dread but some foul playing braggart to outwit now hurling all his strength upon the bit he sank the spurs and with a groan of pain the plunging horse obedient to the rein swerved sharply streamward slidering in the sand the bear shot past and suddenly the grand loomed up beneath and rose to meet the pair that rode a moment upon empty air then smote the water in a shower of spray and when again the lowly ebbing day came back to them a drip from nose to flank the steed was scrambling up the further bank and jamie saw across the narrow stream like some vague shape of fury in a dream the checked beast ramping at the water's rim doubt struggled with a victor's thrill in him as hand to buckle of the rifle sheath he thought of dampened powder but beneath the rawhide flap the gun lay snug and dry then as the horse wheeled and the mark went by a patch of shadow dancing upon grey he fired a sluggish thunder trailed away the spreading smoke-rack lifted slow and there floundering in a seethe of foam the bear hugged yielding water for the foe that slew triumphant jamie wondered what old hugh would think of such a trick of getting game young eyes indeed and then that memory came like a dull blade thrust back into a wound one moment twas as though the lad had swooned into a dream adventure waking there to sicken at the ghastly land a stare like some familiar face gone strange at last but as the hot tears came the moment passed song snatches broken tales a troop forlorn like merry friends of eld came back to mourn overwhelmed him there and when the black bulk churned the star-flecked stream no longer jamie turned recrossed the river and rode back to hugh a burning twist of valley grasses threw blear light about the region of the spring then jamie torch aloft and shuddering knelt there beside his friend and moaned oh hugh if i had been with you just been with you we might be laughing now and you are dead with gentle hand he turned the hoary head that he might see the good grey face again the torch burned out the dark swooped back and then his grief was frozen with an icy plunge in horror twas as though a bloody sponge had wiped the pictured features from a slate so pillaged by an army drunk with hate home stares upon the homing refugee a red gout clung where either brow should be the haughty nose lay crushed amid the beard thick with slow ooze whence like a devil leered 
the battered mouth convulsed into a grin nor did the darkness cover for therein some torch unsnuffed with blear funereal flare still painted upon black that alien stare to make the lad more terribly alone then in the gloom there rose a broken moan quick stifled and it seemed that something stirred about the body doubting that he heard the lad felt with a panic catch of breath pale vagrants from the legendary of death potential in the shadows there but when the motion and the moaning came again hope like a shower at daybreak cleansed the dark and in the lad's heart something like a lark sang morning bending low he crooned hugh hugh it's jamie don't you know i'm here with you as one who in a nightmare strives to tell shouting across the gap of some dim hell what things assail him so it seemed hugh heard and flung some unintelligible word athwart the muffling distance of his swoon now kindled by the yet unrisen moon the east went pale and like a naked thing a little wind ran vexed and shivering along the dust till jamie shivered too and worried lest twere bitter cold where hugh hung clutching at the bleak raw edge of life so jamie rose and with his hunting knife split wood and built a fire nor did he fear the staring face now for he found it dear with the warm presence of a friend returned the fire made cosy chatter as it burned and reared a tent of light in that lone place then jamie set about to bathe the face with water from the spring oft crooning low it's jamie here beside you don't you know yet came no answer save the laboured breath of one who wrestled mightily with death where watched no referee to call the foul the moon now cleared the world's end and the owl gave voice unto the wizardry of light while in some dim-lit chancel of the night snouts the goddess wolfish corybants intoned their wild antiphonary chants the oldest saddest worship in the world and jamie watched until the firelight swirled softly about him sound and glimmer merged to make an eerie void through which he urged with frantic spur some whirlwind of a steed that made the way as glass beneath his speed yet scarce kept pace with something dear that fled on ever on just half a dream ahead until it seemed by some vague shape dismayed he cried aloud for hugh and the steed neighed a neigh that was a burst of light not sound and jamie sprawling on the dewy ground knew that his horse was sniffing at his hair while mumbling through the early morning air there came a roll of many hoofs and then he saw the swinging troop of henry's men a canter up the valley with the sun of all hugh's comrades crowding round not one but would have given heavy odds on death for though the greybeard fought with sobbing breath no man it seemed might break upon the hip so stern a wrestler with the strangling grip that made the neck veins like a purple thong tangled with knots nor might hugh tarry long there where the trail forked outward far and dim or so it seemed and when they lifted him his moan went treble like a song of pain he was so tortured surely it were vain to hope he might endure the toilsome ride across the barrens better let him bide there on the grassy couch beside the spring and furthermore it seemed a foolish thing that eighty men should wait the issue there for dying is a game of solitaire and all men play the losing hand alone 
but when at noon he had not ceased to moan and fought still like the strong man he had been there grew a vague mistrust that he might win and all this be a tale for wandering ears so major henry called for volunteers two men among the eighty who would stay to wait on glass and keep the wolves away until he did whatever he should do all quite agreed twas bitter bread for hugh yet none save jamie felt in duty bound to run the risk until the hat went round and pity wakened at the silver's clink in jules le bon he would not have them think that mercenary motives prompted him but somehow just the grief of little jim was quite sufficient not to mention hugh he weighed the risk as everybody knew the rickarees were scattered to the west the late campaign had stirred a hornet's nest to fill the land with stingers which was so and yet three days a southwest wind may blow false april with no drop of dew at heart so jules ran on while ready for the start the pouring horses nickered and the men impatient in their saddles yawned and then with brief advice a round of bluff good-byes and some few reassuring backward cries the troop rode up the valley with the day intent upon his friend with naught to say sat jamie while le bon discussed at length the reasonable limits of a man's strength a self-conducted dialectic strife that made absurd all argument for life and granted but a fresh dug hole for hugh twas half like murder yet it seemed jules knew unnumbered tales accordant with the case each circumstantial as to time and place and furnished with a death's head colophon vivaciously despondent jules ran on did he not share his judgment with the rest you see twas some contusion of the chest that did the trick heart lungs and all that mixed in such a way they never could be fixed a bear's hug hug and often jamie winced at some knife thrust of reason that convinced yet left him sick with unrelinquished hope as one who in a darkened room might grope for some beloved face with shuddering anticipation of a clammy thing so in the lad's heart sorrow fumbled round for some old joy to lean upon and found the stark cold something jamie knew was there yet womanlike he stroked the hoary hair or bathed the face while jules found tales to tell lugubriously garrulous night fell at sundown day-long winds alike to veer so summoning a mood of relished fear le bon remembered dire alarms by night the swoop of savage hordes the desperate fight of men outnumbered and like him of old in all that made jules shudder as he told his the great part a man by field and flood fate tossed upon the gloom he limned in blood their situations possibilities two men against the fury of the rees a game in which two hundred men had failed he pointed out how little it availed to run the risk for one as good as dead yet jules le bon meant every word he said and had a scalp to lose if need should be that night through jamie's dreaming swarmed the ree grey-souled he wakened to a dawn of grey and felt that something strong had gone away nor knew what thing some whisper of the will bade him rejoice that hugh was living still but hugh the real seemed somehow otherwhere jules snug and snoring in his blanket there was half a life the nearer just so pain is nearer than the peace we seek in vain and by its very sting compels belief jules woke 
and with a fine restraint of grief saw early dissolution one more night and then the poor old man would lose the fight ah such a man a day and night crept by and yet the stubborn fighter would not die but grappled with the angel all the while with some conviction but with more of guile jewels colonized the vacancy with rees till jamie felt that looseness of the knees that comes of oozing courage many men may tower for a white-hot moment when the wild blood surges at a sudden shock but when insistent as a ticking clock blind peril haunts and whispers fewer dare dread hovered in the hushed and moony air the long night through nor might a fire be lit lest some far-seeing foe take note of it and day-long jamie scanned the blank sky-rim for hoof-flung dust-clouds till there woke in him a childish anger dumb for ruth and shame that hugh so dallied but the fourth dawn came and with it lulled the fight as on a field where broken armies sleep but will not yield or had one conquered was it hugh or death the old man breathed with faintly fluttering breath nor did his body shudder as before jules triumphed sadly it would soon be o'er so men grew quiet when they lost their grip and did not care at sundown he would slip into the deeper silence jamie wept unwitting how a furtive gladness crept into his heart that gained a stronger beat so cities long beleaguered take defeat unto themselves half traitors jules began to dig a hole that might conceal a man and as his sheath knife broke the stubborn sod he spoke in kindly vein of life and god and mutability and rectitude the immemorial funerary mood brought tears mute tribute to the mother dust and jamie seeing felt each cutting thrust less like a stab into the flesh of hugh the sun crept up and down the arc of blue and through the air a chill of evening ran but though the grave yawned waiting for the man the man seemed scarce yet ready for the grave now prompted by a coward or a knave that lurked in him le bon began to hear faint sounds that to the lad's less cunning ear were silence more like tremors of the ground they were jules said than any proper sound thus one detected horseman miles away for many moments big with fate he lay ear pressed to earth and rose and shook his head as one perplexed there's something wrong he said and as at daybreak white and winter skies agape and staring with a wild surmise the lad's face whitened at the other's word jules could not quite interpret what he heard a hundred horse might noise their whereabouts in just that fashion yet he had his doubts it could be bison moving quite as well but if twere rees there'd be a tale to tell that two men he might name should never hear he reckoned scalps that fall were selling dear in keeping with the limited supply men fit to live were not afraid to die then in that caution suits not courage ill jules saddled up and cantered to the hill a white dam set against the twilight stream and as a horseman riding in a dream the lad beheld him watched him clamber up to where the dusk as from a brimming cup ran over saw him pause against the gloom potentious huge a brooder upon doom what did he look upon some moments passed then suddenly it seemed as though a blast of wind keen cutting with the whips of sleet smote horse and rider haunched on huddled feet the steed shrank from the ridge then rearing wheeled 
and took the rubbly incline fury heeled those days and nights like seasons creeping slow had told on jamie better blow on blow of evil hap with doom seen clearer head than that monotonous abrasive dread blind nora at the sole thews of the blind thin worn the last heart-string that held him kind strung taut the final tie that kept him true now snapped in jamie as he saw the two so goaded by some terrifying sight death riding with the vanguard of the night life dwindling yonder with the rear of day what choice for one whom panic swept away from moorings in the sanity of will jules came and summed the vision of the hill in one hoarse cry that left no word to say rees saddle up we've got to get away small wit had jamie left to ferret guile but fumblingly obeyed le bon the while jules knelt beside the man who could not flee for big hearts lack not time for charity however thick the blows of fate may fall yet in that jules le bon was practical he could not quite ignore a hunting knife a flint a gun a blanket gear of life scarce suited to the customs of the dead and hugh slept soundly in his ample bed star canopied and blanketed with night unwitting how venality and fright made hot the westward trail of henry's men End of part one recorded by nathan at antipodeanwriter dot wordpress dot com